Hi, I'm Walter Hallam, and you're listening today to the Walter Hallam Ministries podcast. Get ready to receive a powerful word from God today. What you need today in your life, daily bread doesn't mean money necessarily. It means, God, this is what I need today. I need your daily sustaining anointing in my life. Some days it seems like you need a little more bread than other days. Come on. You need that anointing increasing and growing and developing in your life all the time. Being mindful of that, remembering it, is something that is so, so necessary. Instead of just like, uh, God, what have you done for me lately? How about, God, I thank you for what you have already done for me, what you're uh, promised in your word to do for me, and what you're going to do for me. I thank you for my yesterday. I thank you for your presence with me today, even in the midst of your situation. Have you ever noticed everybody has a situation? Uh, those issues that come in life, and they're going to come in life because you're not in heaven yet. I know you think you are, but you're not. You're here on planet earth. And there will be plenty of issues that you deal with in life. Uh, the majority of them, uh, you'll probably see they're totally deflected because of prayer and faith and wisdom and, and walking a godly walk. Almost all of the issues that could be negative that you deal with in life through wisdom you can, and, and, and doing the word of God, you'll, you'll overcome them or even avoid the, the majority of them. But there are some things that you're going to encounter. Uh, it could be anything from a sickness trying to get on your body to just having all of the emotional stress that comes through a family issue of some kind. Could be financial. It could be whatever it is. And those issues show up and we need answers. Jesus, come on, shout his name out loud. Jesus, Jesus taught a principle in the word of God that is a kingdom principle that is necessary for us to activate the power of God in those times when you have to have that. It's called being thankful. It's called remembering what God has already done. Jesus highlighted it with an illustrated sermon about as good, uh, obviously, as anybody could ever do it. We're in Mark chapter 6. Are you with me now? Mark chapter 6. I'm going to put on these readers right here because I'm not in heaven either yet. The, the scripture says in verse 35, the day was now far spent. His disciples came unto him and said, this is a de desert place. And now the time is far past. Send them away. They've been with Jesus for three days. Send them away that they may go into the country around about into the villages and buy themselves bread. For they have nothing to eat. Remember Jesus the one who created manna about that deep all around the children of Israel for 40 years every morning. Uh, Jesus is listening to one of his disciples say something to him like, Jesus, just send them away because they don't have anything to eat. How many of you are glad that our God hadn't lost the recipe for manna? Amen. And he answered and said unto them, give you them to eat. And they say unto him, shall we go and buy 200 penny worth of bread and give them to eat? 200 penny worth would be the average of one year's 
uh, wages of an average working man, uh, somewhere in that day, it would actually uh, equivalate somewhere between 40 and 50,000 American dollars. Uh, do you want us to go buy 40 or 50,000 dollars worth of food? And he said unto them, How many loaves have ye? Say that with me. How many loaves have you? Uh, say it like this with me. What do you have? Say it with me. What do you have that you can give? That's very, very important. Now they've just told him they don't have anything to eat for they have nothing. And Jesus said, well, how much do they have? Can I just say that little with the righteous man, according to Psalms, little with the righteous man is more than the wealth of the wicked. He said, well, what do you mean give them uh, they have nothing to eat? What do they have? Uh, never despise the day of the little thing. He answered and said unto them, How many loaves have you? Verse 38. Go and see. And when they knew, they say, Come on, say it with me. Five and two fishes. Say it out loud. Five and two fishes. Interesting. And he commanded them to make everyone sit down by companies. One translation says, By rank or authority. Let them set in order. Uh, let them set by companies upon the green grass. So they set them in ranks by hundreds and by fifties. Now, this is really important to get this because Jesus is not giving them a little small task because there's 5,000 men and one of the other gospels say, plus their women and children. So there's between, depending upon uh, who you read after, between 20 and 30,000 people that are listening to Jesus speak. 5,000 men, and the word man right there is the same word for husband or father. The father, like a husband in a household. And then I believe it's in Luke, it says, plus the women and children. Oh, wow. And they've been with Jesus for days. He commanded them to sit down. Uh, on the green grass. And they sat in ranks by hundreds and by fifties. And when he had taken the five loaves and the two fishes, now right there, CNN would have started talking about that greedy preacher, he took the whole food out of those 30,000, would have taken the food right out of the baby's mouths. Jesus doesn't care about their opinion. Just obey the Lord. I said, obey the Lord. And the scripture says, And when he had taken the five loaves and the two fishes, he looked up to heaven and he blessed it. He broke the loaves and then he gave them to his disciples to go and set before them. And the two fishes divided he among them all. And they did all eat and were filled. And they took up 12 baskets full of the fragment and of the fishes, we call those leftovers. Anybody like some divine leftovers? And they that did eat of the loaves were about 5,000 men. And straightway, and immediately, I'm going to read for a moment. And straightway he constrained, it's a strong word, which means he commanded them. He directed them. He told his disciples. Straightway he constrained his disciples to get into the ship 
and go to the other side of before unto Bethsaida while he sent the people away. Jesus dismissed the congregation, told them to go get in a boat and go to the other side. And when we had sent them away, he departed into a mountain to pray. They didn't want to go without him, but he commanded them to go. And so he went this direction and they went that way. Now, when evening was come, the ship was in the midst of the sea and Jesus was alone on the land. And he saw them toiling in rowing, for the wind was contrary unto them. And about the fourth hour of the night, around midnight, uh, he uh, cometh unto them, walking upon the sea. And he would have passed them by. I wish I could preach that, but that's not my message. And when he saw them, when they saw him walking upon the sea, they supposed it had been a ghost. And they cried out. For they all saw him and were troubled. I guess so. And immediately he talked with them and saith unto them, Be of good cheer, it is I. Be not afraid. And he, and he went up with them into the ship. And the wind ceased. Come on, say that. And the wind, I always like to say, you get Jesus in your boat and something good's about to happen. And they were uh, amazed in themselves beyond measure. And they wondered, now watch this, for they considered not the miracle of the loaves, for their heart was hardened. They considered not the miracle of the loaves, for their heart was hardened. They considered not the miracle. They forgot about what Jesus had just done and their heart had become hardened or calloused. The scripture says, toward what God had done. And when they had passed over, they came to the land of Gennesaret and drew the shore. Watch this. And when they were come out of the ship, straightway they knew him. And they ran up through that whole region round about and began to carry about in beds those that were sick where they heard Jesus was. And whithersoever he entered, wherever he went, into villages, cities, or out in the country, they laid the sick in the streets and besought him that they might touch, if it were, but the border of his garment, and as many as touched him were made whole. Somebody shout hallelujah. Isn't that a beautiful passage? Don't you love that? The scripture says in the book of, of um, Numbers, and also uh, in the book of Numbers, in chapter 15 and in other places, the scripture says that the priest, God commanded them to put a hem, uh, what the Bible calls a fringe, in the bottom of their garments. In Numbers chapter 15, verse 37, 38, right in there, it says, put that in the border of your garment. And then they were to weave a ribbon that was blue, the scripture says, through that border that hem that was in the garment. And the, the Bible says when people saw it, it was to remind them that they were to keep the word of God, love the things of God, and remember the power of God that had delivered them out of bondage when they were in Egypt. So when they would see that, they were to remember the word of God. We want to be doers of the word of God. They were to remember, uh, remember to be holy unto God. How many of you are glad your life is set apart for the purpose of God? Amen. To be holy unto God. 
And they were to remind themselves that our God is the God of deliverance, the God of power, signs, and wonders. And so the priests would have that in their robes at the bottom of their robes. They'd have a, a border. That's why in Matthew, Jesus said, be careful about the Pharisees who have, the Bible says, large phylacteries. Those are that little box that was supposed to be that they would carry the little scripture in. And they would take and uh, these guys were trying to impress people because they were wanting a lot of notoriety. So they would build great big boxes that they would put like they were keeping a whole scroll in it. And it says, and they would enlarge the borders around their, uh, the, the fringe of their garments instead of just putting the one in that God said and put a ribbon around it. So people would be, would be reminded and they were to teach what that was about. These guys decided, man, we'll put a great old big hymn and just do the whole thing in there real big because we want notoriety and we want all of the acclaim of people and all that. And Jesus said, be careful about those guys. They're just bloodsuckers. Give me two amens. All those guys want is manipulation, control, and your money. He said, be careful about that crowd, but make sure they're talking about the holiness of God. Make sure they're talking about the power of God. Make sure they're reminding you about the good word of God. Come on, clap your hands to the Lord. I'm preaching better than you're helping me this morning right now. It's very necessary that we are people who magnify the Lord and we remember that we are a chosen generation. Uh, The apostle Peter says, a royal priesthood, royal, a kingly priesthood, a holy nation. A unique, special people, King James says, a peculiar people, that we show forth the praises of the one who called us out of darkness and placed us in his marvelous light. Our lifestyle should be something that shows forth the praises of God, the goodness of God, the the purity of God, the joy of the Lord, the mercy of God. That's what our life is supposed to be like. How many of you believe that doesn't just uh, work when you're on your job, but it ought to work in your own household also? Husbands and wives ought to show joy, kindness, mercy toward one another. Be sympathetic, the Bible says, toward one another. Hallelujah. Not just toward other people, toward your own family also. You say, well, I get so tired uh, of my family all the time. They always, well, listen, they're listening to you. I just wish my wife was a lot smarter than she is. Well, if she was, she wouldn't have married you. Why did I get off into that? No, no, no. Let the joy of the Lord be in your house. Love one another. Be kind. Be sympathetic to one. Be helpful to one another. And be reminded all the time of the power of the Word of God, the holiness of our God, our lifestyle, and His uh, Word in our life on a daily basis. And that's what that blue ribbon was supposed to be about. It wasn't supposed to be bringing attention to the priest. It was supposed to call, the priest was supposed to be bringing attention to God. And men and women would see that and they would uh, receive that and be reminded it's God who did those miracles. It's God who gave His Word. It's God uh, whose character is working in us. Well, we're not perfect yet, guys, but we're getting better every day. It's a lifelong journey, but we ought to be getting a little better every single day. Come on, clap your hands to the Lord right there if you would, please. And so in Numbers 15, when they would see that, 
That's what they were to be reminded of, the Bible says. Listen, that's a powerful thing. The woman with the issue of blood, in one of the Gospels, when it tells about that, not in Mark, but I believe it's the one in Luke, it says that when she pressed through that crowd, she just wanted to touch and get a hold of the, the hem of his garment. She just wanted to get that because when she had said in herself that if I can touch him, I will be whole, the Bible says. But she didn't actually reach up and touch Jesus. She touched the garment. She touched what represented the power of God to her. A reminder of God is a healing God. Jesus being a priest, he would have been wearing that. He was recognized as a priest in the synagogue. He would have been wearing that teacher's robe. And, and she just wanted to touch uh, his clothes. And the scripture says that she touched the hem of his garment. And when she did, I believe when she saw him walking down there, she's like, I'm 12 years sick. I've got a blood disorder. I'm bleeding every day. Nothing is stopping it. I'm, uh, I'm getting worse. I'm not getting better. And then all of a sudden, here comes the reminder, the word of God. Here comes the power of God. Here comes the holiness and the purity, the cleanliness of God. And she's like, something's different today. When I touch him, he's not going to get sick like me. I'm going to touch him and I'm going to get well like he is. That's what we carry with the Holy Ghost in our lives. Everybody shout reminders. Every miracle, every sign and wonder that you see. The gifts of the Spirit, in whether it's when we're together in Mass or uh, of a gathering together or whether it's when you're just praying and God does something in your home for you personally. You should thank God for it and then it should become a reminder that if He did it once, come on, He'll do it again. The Scripture says, Jesus asked one of the greatest questions in the entire New Testament. He said, what do you have that you can give them to eat? What do you have? You need to ask yourself, what do I have? Amen. Now look, I'm the first one to tell you that five loaves and two fishes will not feed 20,000 plus people unless Jesus touches it first. And if Jesus gets a hold of it first, look, for you and me, five plus two means seven. That means a slice, uh, five little, uh, uh, you know, chips or something like that. Maybe kind of like fish and chips or something. A little sardine sandwich. Just a little lad, the Bible says, a child's meal. Five loaves, two fishes. Five plus two equals seven. Seven's a pretty good number. You let number seven get a hold of your money. You let him get a hold of your bread. You let him get a hold of your family. Come on. You let him get a hold of your life and five plus two equals anything God says it needs to be. With man, things are impossible, but with God, nothing's impossible. Jesus asked that just stunning question. What do you have? What do you have that you can give? And the scripture says they polled the crowd and they said there was five loaves and two fishes. And the scripture says Jesus reached out and took it. Jesus received it. He reached out and took it. And he began to bless it. Look, five plus two is not enough to feed 20,000 plus unless the master begins to use it. I think it's amazing the scripture says that when it was all said and done, 
that there were 12 baskets full of the fragments left. The fragments we'd call the scraps. And one of the other gospels, when he's telling this great miracle, he says, go and, and collect it. Go get it. And there were 12 big baskets left over. The word for basket right there, it was like a cargo basket that they would put on the side of an animal. Maybe they'd strap two of them, one on each side, sometimes two on each side, big old wicker baskets. And they would uh, carry their, their stuff in that. And so Jesus said there was 12 of them left over. Now, I don't know about you, but I don't like to eat other people's leftovers. The scripture says every day for 40 years, Jesus, six days a week, six days a week, rained down manna for the children of Israel. God rained down manna for the children of Israel. And every family was to go out and get just enough for that day and to have nothing left over. Maybe I'm wrong about this, but I don't think so. Our God is real good with supply. He's real good with numbers. He's good with weights and measures. He knows exactly how much is needed. But when Jesus starts breaking off the, the bread and the fish, either, either he miscalculated how much that was needed or he's the God of abundance. He's the God of the overflow. And that overflow is not just for your blessing, but it's also the reminder. When God multiplies and increases things in your life, I know God's good to you. But look, it wasn't because we're just all that smart and everything. It's because God's a good God. And we need to recognize that he can take not enough, bless it, and turn it into more than enough. And the scripture says, they picked up 12 baskets. And then I'm of the opinion that the scripture says here, plus when you read it uh, in another one of the gospels, that they took it and put it in the boat. They take the 12 uh, baskets of wonder bread. Y'all know what I mean? They get the wonder bread and a little bit of uh, fish. and they. But listen, that's people's scraps. They went and picked that up from 20,000 plus people that people had eaten and just left it right there. And I've often wondered about it because when I think about it, I just don't like to eat after other people unless it's Cindy. And then she fusses at me if I eat after her. But I don't like to eat after other people. And I've, uh, so when I read that, that's the first thing I'm thinking. All those little hands have been, they're passing the bread down, all that, they're picking their nose and they're eating and uh, y'all know what they're doing. Y'all look at me like you don't know what I'm talking about, but I know. I'm like, I don't know where their hands have been and, and all this food and, and all the 12 baskets of scraps. But if Jesus gives you a leftover, you should just use it as a reminder. And they put it in the boat. Jesus said, get in the boat now and go. And they get in the boat and they start going to the other side. And as they're going to the other side, Jesus goes up and starts praying. And at midnight, a massive storm arises. And it, they're out there rowing and rowing and rowing. And, and uh, most translations uh, and, and commentaries say they had only gotten halfway. And they're still pulling against it because Jesus had said, do it. And now it looks like probably someone's trying to say, why don't we turn around and go back? Just let the wind blow us back. 
because they're uh, against what the scripture called a contrary wind. And they're, they're trying hard and it's almost got them standing still there. They're just rowing against it and rowing against it. One of them's probably saying, I tell you, I think Jesus missed it this time. He prophesied we'd go to the other side. Oh, we'll never get over there tonight. The way it's going right here, we're almost at a standstill in the middle of it. And they got a boat full of Wonder Bread. And those disciples are rowing. And now they're beginning to uh, get fear and panic because of what's going on. Jesus sees them, the Bible says, and just walks up to them on the water. You say, that's not possible. Well, it's not for you, but it is for him. It's as possible as multiplying five loaves and two fishes. It's as possible as Lazarus uh, coming out of the, uh, from the dead. It's as possible as Jesus changing your life in one moment and giving you eternal life instead of eternal death. And the Bible says Jesus walks walks up to them and they freaked out. They thought they saw a ghost, a spirit. And Jesus said, be of good cheer, fear not, it's me. And he walked over and climbed in the boat. And they had forgotten the loaves and the fishes. The reason God gave them those 12 baskets was to remind them that if you get in the middle of a storm, oh, I'm preaching real good right now. Don't forget what God has already done. And if he's done it once and he told you to go that way, he's going to do it again if he has to defy all the laws of gravity to do it and all the laws of flotation and all the laws of multiplication, whatever it takes, God will bring his word to pass if you will be reminded. That's why we thank God continually. God, I thank you for what you've done yesterday. And I'm not going to just hold you to yesterday, but I thank you for it. I thank you, you woke me up today. How about that one, huh? I thank you, Lord, that you healed me yesterday. I thank you for that word of knowledge, that prophecy, that revelation from the word of God that I got yesterday. It supplied my daily need. And I thank you for that which was left over too. And I'll use it, God, as effectively as I know how, but I'll let it remind me all the time that you're the God who met my need yesterday. You're the same yesterday, today, and forever, and you will meet my need today. Also, help me, Sergio. God is in this house today, church. I said God is in this house. I know God met your need yesterday. He's with you today. But God's going to meet your need tomorrow also. The scripture says when they landed, they had already heard that the healer was in the house. He had landed on the shore. You may go through some trials while you try to obey God. I can just tell you straight up, you probably will. There will be situations that you deal with in life. And you're like, I don't deserve this. I didn't make this happen. I'm just trying to do my Holy Ghost thing and obey Jesus and do the best I know how to do and be the best employee I can be, the best employer, the best, the best Christian I know how to be. I don't deserve this. Can I just remind you? Yesterday, He saved you. Amen. 
He healed you. He delivered you. He baptized you with the Holy Spirit. He provided your need. He saved that hard-headed husband of yours. He turned those kids around. He delivered somebody from something. He made a way where there seemed to be no way. Can you just remind yourself today? Can you just look at that wonder bread a little bit and say, God, you were good to me then and, and I know you'll be good today. And so I'll fight the good fight of faith. Most of the time, you're just going to be going around picking up the bread as you obey God. But sometimes the wind can get contrary. That's not when you throw up your hands and say, well, that's it, God. I tried living for you. I gave you my five loaves and two fishes in my life. And, and now here my boat's about to sink. Well, just remember, God knows how to make you walk above your problem. He knows how to get it. Listen to me. Under your feet. I know times are going to get difficult. I don't minimize that. I've been through them. Can't tell you I may not someday go through another one. I don't know. Who does know? I just know that the majority of them in this life, we avoid by faith. We overcome them by faith. And if another one tries to show up in Jesus' name, I'm just going to remember what God's already done. And I'll just say, Jesus, you are the same yesterday, today, and forever. You've given me power over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means destroy us. That's what the Bible says. Nothing shall by any means harm you, King James, destroy. It's a powerful word. It's necessary in this life. When Jesus gets a hold of the five and two, he starts breaking it. Sometimes you just feel like that the blessing is being broken off of you. Anybody ever felt like the blessing's breaking off of me? But God is never breaking something to destroy. He's breaking to multiply. He's, he's breaking to supply, to increase. I've been through some breaking times. Brother Rick and I just a moment ago were talking. I said, Rick, did you, you got your passport? He said, yeah, I looked it up. It's still good. I said, oh, I got a passport too, three years ago, a little over three years ago. I was getting a passport upgrade on something and I got hit by a car crossing the street and broke five bones and had some issues uh, that it took me almost three years to get over them. But I'm over. Woohoo! <laughs> Hallelujah. But look, God didn't break me, but you can be sure when breaking takes place, God's not trying to destroy you. He's going to multiply you. He's going to increase you. Because God provided yesterday. God met that need yesterday. And He meets that need today. Even in the midst of the storm. Come on, Shadrach. Come on, Meshach. Come on, Abednego. Remember, in the middle of the fire, there's a fourth man going to show up. Come on, Daniel. In the middle of the lion's den, there's another one down there when you're praising God. Come on, Joseph, when you're down in the prison and you're doing what you need to do in the name of the Lord, you can be sure the favor of God is going to shine on you and you're going to go from the prison to the palace. I call it from a prisoner to the prime minister. That's what he did. God knows how. 
The Bible says when Joseph was in that prison, whatever was done, he was the doer of it. Whatever was done, we get so, we get so used to our lives here in the U.S. And, and I thank God for the life that we get to live. I thank God for air conditioning. Did you know if you have a watch that has jewels in it? If you have a watch that has jewels in it, you have more wealth on today than over 50% of the planet, of people on planet Earth. Yeah, we're blessed. I said we're blessed. God's been good to us. You get sick sometimes. Sickness try to come against you. You don't have to claim it. You have to fight it. You claim your victory. You don't claim your sickness. You claim your healing in Jesus' name. You remember what God's already done. He was wounded for our transgressions, bruised for our iniquities, chastised for our peace, and striped for our healing. We remember what He's already done. And we claim it and receive it today. And then in the midst of your storm, Jesus just gets right up in the middle of that boat. And you say, oh, Jesus, uh, I just want to remind you of all this bread and fish. You were so good. Thank you, Jesus, for doing that. But I know if you'll do that on the shore, you'll do it in the midst of the sea also. You're the same. How many of you are glad that our God is the same in the middle of the storm as he is when he's on the shore. This is Walter Hallam, and I want to thank you for listening today and just receiving that good word of God that you've gotten off of this podcast. You know, bringing a podcast to you, it's free to you, but it costs to take the gospel of Jesus to the world. You can be a partner. You can help support. Uh, Men and women I found are so generous when the word of God is coming into their life. They want to help take that gospel to someone else. You can text to give today to 832-981-1601. And you can give any support, any amount, and it will be a great blessing. And it will help take the gospel of Jesus uh, to someone else. We'll go the next day and the next day. So text to give today, 832-981-1601. And I want to thank you in advance because without you and with others who support, it would be so difficult for us to get the good news of Jesus Christ into this great generation. Do your part today. Thanks for helping. I love you. I can't wait to see you on the next podcast.